Greetings, Chuck fanatics. You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I will be discussing Season 2, Episode 18, Chuck versus the Broken Heart. Wah, wah. Make sure to send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at gochuckpodcast. And make sure to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I know it's probably a big ask after I've made the sound effect of several times already in this introduction. Uh, I'm going to do it one more time a little bit later on, but I really hope that you'll like and subscribe to us on your favorite preferred uh, podcast platform and hey make sure to write a review and if you uh, have some way of typing out the uh, automatopoeia wah, wah, feel free to throw that in the review as well that would that would just be great now without further ado wah, wah, here we go United States of America, it's Go Chuck Yourself! Woo! Getting amped up. Hello, everyone. This is a high-energy episode of Go Chuck Yourself. Yeah, we We're have talking so about much energy. Season 2, episode 18, Chuck versus the Broken Heart! Ah, Woo! Ow, ow, it hurts. Come on down the aisle, you're the next contestant on Go Chuck Yourself! Um, my name is Chris Gillespie. I will be one of but two hosts guiding you through this wonderful episode of television programming. My name is Erin Arata, and I'm your 49B. She's the 49B. Oh, it's that would be that's what we should have done. We should have got a 49B. You should have episode. said that you were the 49A, and I would be the 49B. Oh man, if only we talked about things oh, before no, we started well, recording. Yeah, we should do. Uh, we should well. really get on that. Uh, yes, the 49B is something that is in this episode. Uh, maybe over the course of this episode, one of us will be 49 b in case uh, you hear a new voice come on. That's <laughs> just something that... Don't worry about it. It's government business. Yeah, it's just a 49B. It's just a 49B. Um, so, as I said, we are based in the USA, but our great neighbors to the north uh, in Canada also enjoy Chuck. Uh in fact, it's true. There this... are um, a lot of Canadian. There's a lot of Canadians in Chuck, actually, because um, mm-hmm. Vic Sahay is Canadian, and uh, Trisha Helfer, who's in this episode, is a Canadian guest star. So that's nice. I'm sure, there's her, other Canadians. Yeah. Her character is Canadian, and then she herself is also Canadian. Yeah. It's just we're uh, there's a lot of North America love going on right here, there uh, is. and we were. We were receiving some of that North American love from our friends in Canada uh, recently, and we just wanted to give a shout out to a a kind soul on the uh, on the Twitter box. I think that's what they call it. Yep, that's that checks out for me. Um, so we just wanted to uh, take a second. I will pass it over to Aaron, who can explain more about this kind soul. Um, so we have been receiving a uh, very detailed and very kind uh, Twitter correspondence from at iReactions. I um, hope that it is not I or actions or I are E actions. We're, we were we were discussing which uh, which handle would make the most sense, and that's what we went with. But um, 
this this person has been saying some very very kind things about our show and making some very very thorough analysis of our analysis and making us sound way way smarter than we are um, which <laughs> is really nice i i like when uh, i have to do no work and someone makes me sound smart so um thank you very much i reactions if uh you want to uh see some of these really nice um arguments that this viewer is making about chuck and about um our comments on Chuck there um a lot of them have been either retweeted or liked by our Twitter account so follow go Chuck podcast yes we also um this this is going to be a little bit outdated when this episode comes out but not too much um we just passed Chuck's anniversary hashtag Chuckiversary and um there was a lot of there was actually we didn't partake in this maybe we'll partake in it next year but there was a rewatch like a uh, there was a time where everyone logged into Amazon and watched it together and tweeted about it together. So we were a little bit a part of the conversation. We weren't actually watching along. So maybe next year we'll uh, we'll host that. Or I guess we won't host it because it seems like uh, Twitter has that in hand. But maybe we'll be part of it. Yes, uh, that does sound like a fun time. Yeah. Uh, this year I spent my Chuckiversary uh, just, uh, I guess, thinking about the passage of time and how <laughs> I was but a small child while watching Chuck and now I am a big fat man <laughs> and here I am still watching Chuck. Uh, I was also thinking like, Oh wow. I wish I really was like documenting my thoughts and feelings about Chuck when I was a, a teenager. So I would have it for this. I know but that would be a weird thing to do. If you're like, <laughs> I'm going to be really uh, crazy and document everything that I experience in case, in case in 10 years, I do a podcast about this and need to reference it. There are so many things that I think about that I did or didn't do as a child that I'm like, oh, man, it would have really helped me in this like weird hobby that I have now if I had done something different. Yes. So all the kids, we know that there was a lot of children listening to Go Check Yourself. Yep, all of you kids out there, start keeping a journal and really just being very thorough with every little thing you do. Uh, yeah, so you can reference uh, it develop later. Develop a complex. Feel that it is important to express every thought and feeling because it may uh, come back to haunt you if you don't. Allow this to ruin your life. <laughs> you should avoid social functions just to make sure that you are documenting everything in your life. If you have time, like outside, once you're done journaling, to go to a party, that's great, or have fun, or have friends. But remember, your journal is first. The most it's important one. thing that you could possibly do. Just in case you want to do a podcast about some minor thing that you really liked growing up. Yep. Um, season two, episode 18. I don't know if we said the title yet. I we did, did we did, because I made a joke about how my broken heart really hurts. Chuck versus the broken heart. Uh, yes. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but your heart was a little bit broken this week. Uh, I would like to, to preface this episode by saying I received the following text oh, from no. Aaron. But a mere hours ago, almost 24 hours ago, I received a text unprompted from Aaron saying, I can definitely say that this episode of Chuck has done the grossest thing I have yet seen on the show. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I thought you were referring to the fact that I had bed bugs, which also broke my heart. But uh, that this episode uh, broke my heart even more. Um, we'll we'll get to I, I'm assuming that, you know, what scene I was talking about, but it will be interesting I, <laughs> if you thought something else was grosser. I really hope that we're on the same page because <laughs> I was thinking that about something. But if we're not on the same page, this could be uh, <laughs> Very potentially uh, friendship ending. The two of us could be leaving this episode with broken hearts. Everyone, you're not going to want to touch that little podcast button right there. 
Do not hit pause. Just leave it on play. <laughs> as, as you do. <laughs> as you do. Don't touch that dial. So, um, uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, right now we're going to start at the beginning of this episode with Chuck arriving at home. He's doing exactly what you're not supposed to do. I guess, like, I mean, this is advice that goes to women, but all, all people. He's doing exactly what he's not supposed to do as he's walking into his apartment and not paying attention to his surroundings. Anyone. Anyone could come after him as he's trying to unlock his door. And in fact, uh, people do. Some some masked men who uh, look like ninjas. I'm sure you were excited. They weren't ninjas, exactly. But they were masked men. They gag him and they put a bag over his head, dragging him away. Casey comes to the rescue and points his gun at the masked men who immediately stop. Casey notices that one of the men is wearing green sneakers. So that's a little uh, unusual for uh, government issue bad guys. When they take off their masks, it's Morgan, Jeff, and Lester. They say they were practicing so they can kidnap Devin for his bachelor party. Chuck reminds them that they weren't actually invited, but they're unfazed by this. Lester says, what better way to get invited than to kidnap the guest of honor? Which, I guess is a good point. Mm-hmm. As I was also wondering, because Casey, Casey hides his gun when he realizes that, that it's the buy more mm-hmm. gents. But it would be it could be aligned with his cover to have a gun. You yeah. Know? No. Um, Especially if he saw his neighbor being kidnapped. I feel like that would be an appropriate situation to yeah. use your concealed carry. Yeah, I think um, I I think the episode definitely like portrayed it as him hiding his gun. But it could also just been like he saw those guys and he was like, oh, I don't need this. And then he put it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. As the Bymore guys prattle on about bachelor parties, Casey pulls out a garden hose and sprays them relentlessly until they're forced to leave, which I really <laughs> wish I could do. Like, they wouldn't even have to be doing anything. I wish I could just have a hose and spray these characters. <laughs> spray your TV while you're watching it. <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. They've already ruined so much of my life. I don't want them to ruin my TV, too. <laughs> Back in his room, Chuck is still studying the intersex schematics that he has hidden in his comic book. Remember, remember those from a couple episodes ago? Good. I do. He's he's hiding the Orion intersect yes. schematics in his comic book. Apparently, um, I I said this before. I'll say it again. No one is concerned that he's been reading the same comic for a really long time and like the same pages specifically. Like it's the same comic. So the guy's a slow reader. He's really, really slow. As he's reading, he hears Beckman's voice say, "Chuck." He looks at his phone, but she's not there. The phone isn't on. Um, she says his name again, and he realizes that she's on his TV. Uh, she says she wanted a private word with him, and he's alarmed at his own lack of privacy. I'm alarmed because you can definitely see what he... Like, he has the comic book open on his bed. You can definitely see the schematics in there. Uh, I guess Beckman's just not very observant because she doesn't see it. Beckman asks Chuck if his feelings for Sarah are complicating his protection. Chuck says absolutely not, and Beckman proceeds to show him footage from several other episodes in which Chuck is confessing to feelings for Sarah and saying how complicated having them is. <laughs> uh, she says they're going to do a 49B. That's me. Chuck asks what that is, but Beckman terminates the connection. The next morning, Devin arrives in Chuck's room with a, f- a full blender. He just has like the like a blender that's just full of like this green smoothie liquid that's like, it's not very thick. It's like... It's kind of thick, but it's not like smoothie thick. Like it's it's pretty watery. Um, he Would says you say it's a it's a juice like. Yeah, okay. That's, yes, that's the word I was looking for. 
Um, he says, it's either for Aaron, it's either you're a smoothie or you're a glass of water. Yes. And there's no in between. Well, those are the only two things I drink. <laughs> so he says, time to flesh out your system, dude. <laughs> Chuck sniffs the smoothie slash juice and says, no, thanks. Uh, he starts to ask Devin if Devin still wants to go camping for his bachelor party or if he wants to do something more traditional. Another uh, classic Chuck conversation that could have happened at another time, but it's happening now. Before mm-hmm. Devin can answer, Ellie comes in with the mail, which it's the morning, so I don't like maybe she got it late the day before. I don't know why the mail is coming before work, but it's important to the plot. The point is that the wedding invitation for Chuck's dad has been returned. I don't know if you noticed that, but I noticed the address on it was in Vegas. So I guess they thought that their dad lived in Vegas or he did oh. at some point, which I thought was pretty hmm. cool. Chuck apologizes and says he'll keep searching. Ellie says it's fine because she has no expectations and therefore can't get disappointed. She also tells Devin that she doesn't care what they do for the bachelor party because she trusts him completely. Once Ellie is gone, Devin notices that Chuck's TV screen still says conference with General Beckman terminated. He asks Chuck who General Beckman is and Chuck says it's video game stuff with Morgan. Devin asks what Chuck's name is and Chuck says Special Agent Carmichael. This prompts his TV to create an immediate connection to Beckman, who appears on Chuck's screen. Uh, He turns off the TV before Devin can see it, but it just seems like, A, they should have told Chuck about that, like that he could do that, because uh, just to prevent situations like this, and also like if he needs to contact Beckman, there have been times when he's like, I need to call Beckman, and he can't get through. So it was this easy the whole time? I feel like he should have known this. Also, you call someone by saying your own name at your TV? I guess so. And also, like, the the castle TVs don't have, like, conference terminated. Like, the, it seems like a breach of security somehow. Like, Chuck lives in a civilian household. I'm surprised this hasn't happened before. Can't the, can the castle TVs even put out calls to Beckman? That's a good point. I feel point. like we never see them sure. dial her, but maybe they do. Yeah. I can't think off the top of my head. I would assume that they could. See, this is why, even though we're not children, we should be keeping very thorough journals and diaries of every little detail of Chuck. Exactly. So Chuck runs to the Orange Orange to tell Sarah that he tried to cover for them regarding their relationship and his various confessions, but he's not sure that Beckman bought it. However, when Sarah turns around, it's actually Trisha Halfer, another blonde woman. What are the chances? Chuck flashes on her and realizes she's an agent, so he's like, ah, I was also like, ah, because that's Charlotte from Lucifer. I was really excited. I was like, yeah, I'm, I like Charlotte from Lucifer. I haven't seen her in a little while. Uh, she says her name is Agent Alex Forrest, and she's his 49B. The team, including Alex, has a meeting with Beckman where she explains their next mission. There's a terrorist who, you see, he's... It's supposed to be like Bin Laden, right? It's it's like Bin Laden. He is not Osama Bin Laden, Aaron. I don't know why you would think that. The show goes to extreme lengths to point out the difference between Osama Bin Laden and the infamous criminal Hassan Khalid in the Chuck universe. He's not Osama Bin Laden, even though they show a picture of him that looks very similar to Osama Bin Laden and that the government's relationship to Hassan Khalid is very similar to our own government's former relationship. With Osama bin Laden, he is not Osama bin Laden. Dude, this is a dark question, but do you think 9-11 happened in the Chuck universe? Do you, okay, think this, do you think this character was involved? Do you think, like... Yeah, I guess so. Because if you if we're <laughs> taking Casey and Alex's reactions to the mention of Hassan Khalid, mm-hmm. then 
they both seem to really want to catch him. Okay. Why do they both want to catch him? Maybe because he perpetrated the Chucky Universe's version of 9-11. Okay, good. Glad we cleared that up. Uh, the mission that is at hand right now is to locate this man's second in command who recently visited LA and suffered a heart attack while there. Am I understanding this correctly? Someone is in LA. I was under the impression that this guy was actually part of um, either the Pakistani government or the Afghani government and was knowing where the location of okay. Hassan Khalid is. Okay. And this guy, whose name is Ahmad, yeah. Looks very similar to Saddam Hussein. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if he, but once again, he's not Saddam Hussein. Not Saddam Hussein. Hassan Khalid is not Osama bin Laden. This guy Ahmad uh, suffered a heart attack while he was in LA, and now he's in a hospital. I'm um, supposed to get a pacemaker, so Chuck is supposed to sneak into the hospital and see if he flashes on this guy to determine if he actually is Ahmad. Um, Chuck is fine with the mission, but he. Really wants to know what a 49B is. Beckman asks Sarah to explain, even though Beckman then stays on the line to listen. So, like, that was weird and unnecessary. I feel like she could have just answered the question instead of making Sarah do it, whatever. A 49B is when Sarah's performance gets evaluated, and Alex assumes the role of Chuck's handler during the evaluation that she is also making. Chuck asks Sarah for more information, but she says to discuss this any further would be a breach of protocol. So this partially came around because, and correct me if I'm wrong, because Beckman asked Casey for his unredacted report about Chuck and Sarah's relationship. Oh, yeah, I forgot that happened. So that's actually just linked to this. Yeah. So Beckman is uh, doing the 49B because Casey reported saying that he thinks that Sarah's emotions are jeopardizing the missions. Was that, what episode did that, was that the last episode? Yes. Okay. All right. So this actually makes complete sense in the timeline. Chuck doesn't understand the gravity of the situation he's in, and he uh, is upset that Sarah is behaving like a soulless robot. Casey tells Chuck to keep his feelings on the DL. So what does Chuck do? He immediately rushes to the orange orange again to tell Sarah he's sorry for admitting his feelings and didn't realize he was being taped that much. Which is really stupid because he's uh, probably being taped there, too. Uh, Chuck tells Sarah he has been really stressed about finding his dad and asks Sarah if she can look in the castle computer. Sarah says that she won't be able to, and Alex enters to say that this would be illegal, and if Sarah did do it, she would be fired. I didn't want to uh, break up that plot point, but also, like, for some context, um, when Chuck was in the Bymore before going to the Orange Orange, there was some more bachelor party stuff. Morgan, Jeff, and Lester appealed to him to reconsider about inviting them. Chuck said no. Even when Jeff and Lester say that they've never actually been invited to a bachelor party before. I thought that was a valid character detail on their part. Like, who would, mm-hmm. like, A, who would they know who was getting married, which is the point that they make, and B, who would want them at a party? They suck. Later, the team is outside of the hospital in a van. Sarah asks if there's anything she can do, but Alex says she's got it all under control. Meanwhile, Chuck asks about a tiny microchip Casey is fiddling with, and Casey explains that once Ahmad's identity is confirmed, he's going to insert the chip into Ahmad's pacemaker so they can bug him and track him back to the terrorist cell. That's that's pretty smart. I don't know if that's like an actual thing that uh, people can do, but a pretty pretty good idea. Pretty creative. Yep. Casey and Alex bond again over the intelligence of the U.S. government and their desire to find Bin Laden or whatever, whoever this is. Not Osama Bin Laden. Not Bin Laden. Chuck is alarmed to learn that the hospital they're outside of is the one where Devin and Ellie work. I'm not sure why he didn't realize that before, but maybe he uh, doesn't go there that much. I don't know. 
Uh, Sarah reveals that they checked Devin and Ellie's schedules, and Ellie's not actually working that day, and Devin is in surgery. So, theoretically, Chuck won't encounter either of them. I'm sure that'll go great. Yeah, I'm sure we should be good. Yeah. I also feel like Chuck lives with Devin and Ellie, so I feel like he should know their work schedules at least a little bit. Like... I don't know if you know this about Chuck, but he's pretty self-absorbed <laughs> I mean, with everything that's yeah. going on with him. That's a good point. I mean, the TV show is called Chuck. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Not Chuck thinks about other people. <laughs> of course, my mistake. Once they're inside the hospital, Alex and Chuck steal doctor uniforms. As they emerge from a supply closet, there's... they they uh, Chuck calls her a grandma. I don't really think she was that old. <laughs> <laughs> like this this nice nurse comes up and asks if they were having a little hanky panky before <laughs> Chuck can respond Alex just tranks the woman and Chuck is alarmed so this the grandma character <sighs> serves no pu- purpose but then to show that like Alex is comfortable using violence to take out civilians yes I think that's the that's the only reason because yeah. otherwise it's just like yeah it's like, it looks like you kids are up to some hanky-panky. <laughs> like, this, what? Yeah, that was weird. I feel like <laughs> I wanted there to be, like, I don't I don't know what the joke could have been because I don't watch Grey's Anatomy, but I wanted there to be, like, a Grey's Anatomy joke. Like, I wanted it to be, like, she tranks McDreamy or something. That would have been really funny. That would have been funny. Patrick Wait, Dempsey what? was just there, oh, and he was like, what Grey's are you guys Anatomy? doing? Get back to the ward. And then they just trank him. Is that an, then, That's an ABC <laughs> show, so that would, okay, that wouldn't have worked. But then maybe this hospital is just an amalgamation of all television hospitals. Yeah. So then they turn around and then George Clooney's there from ER and they shoot him. Yeah, and they turn been, around, this would have been funny. They, they turn around again and Zach Braff's there from Scrubs and they shoot him. <laughs> and then they turn around again and uh, I don't know. Uh, do- I'm running Doogie out of Doogie Hauser's in there. They shoot Doogie <laughs> Hauser. Uh, they turn around. There's someone from St. Elsewhere. They shoot them. There's someone from they turn New Amsterdam. Again. There's someone from New Amsterdam. The good doctor the guys... is there. Oh, sh- oh, and that's the last one. <laughs> they turn around and they see the good doctor. Oh, man. And they shoot the good doctor. All of them are tranquilized. <laughs> and then they all wheel them out back. And then they all wake up. And then when they come out of the the uh, break room all together, like, wow, we're really tired. What happened? And the, the grandma nurse is out there. Like, what are you guys doing? Hanky panky. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a um, that's a a great scene. That's a deleted scene. Maybe that's one of the deleted scenes that we'll watch later. Yes, I'm going to start working on a computer animating that <laughs> scene right now. Sounds great. So uh, Chuck is alarmed by Alex's cavalier uh, destruction of civilian health and lives. Also alarmed is Sarah, who realizes that Ellie is actually in the hospital. Ellie begins approaching Chuck and Alex, and Alex readies her tranquilizer gun right away. I mean, they could just, like, cover their faces. I don't know. But fortunately, uh, before anything can go amiss, Ellie is called back by the receptionist, and Chuck and Alex are able to sneak into Ahmad's room. Chuck immediately flashes on Ahmad and his doctor, whose name is Zamir. Zamir asks if Chuck is Ahmad's doctor, and Chuck says, Am I not wearing a doctor's coat? It's a pretty good response. It's, yeah, valid. It's pretty airtight logic. Uh, yeah. Zamir asks to speak to Chuck alone, and Alex leaves the room. Chuck is scared. Meanwhile, Casey, who is posing as a janitor, um, now he's now he's back to the janitor-type roles. It was nice to see him in a suit in the last episode, but now he's, now he's back to this, which he looks, he looks good in a janitor's uniform as well. 
Um, he's trying to sneak into a secure surgical ward to implant the microchip, but he has some trouble with the security system. And before he can manage to crack it, the receptionist arrives to tell him he's needed for a cleanup for someone who didn't make it to the toilet. Poor Casey. <laughs> this is why he's so angry. Because <laughs> he's always left cleaning up feces and the like. Yeah. Really, our janitors of the world, we need to appreciate them more. That's true. Thank you, janitors. Back in Ahmad's room, Zamir tells Chuck that Ahmad is a very important man, and being the surgeon of an important man is a dangerous job. Chuck says he'll do his best, and Zamir says, your life depends on it. I feel like, why did, why is this man just at, like, a regular hospital? Like, can't they, like, I mean, I know it's, like, emergencies happen, like, whenever, but, like, he has a private physician. Are you telling me, like, this really important guy doesn't, like, just has to go to, like, whoever? Well, maybe he doesn't have a private surgeon necessarily, right? But he could. So I, I don't know. I feel like he should just have one. Like, they don't have to. I don't know. It seems like a lot of work to, like, threaten a random surgeon at a random L.A. hospital. Yeah, but it's not just the surgeon. They need the facilities to perform the surgery. Okay, whatever. I don't know. Surgery's I just not feel just like a one-man show. This is a lot of work. And I, I feel like even if Chuck was the actual surgeon, he wouldn't be doing, like, He's going to be so stressed out. He's, his life is in danger. I guess you do want this. Well, I mean, is it? would you rather have a relaxed surgeon or a surgeon that's on edge? Relaxed. Relaxed? Yeah. You wouldn't want someone who's like, I have to make sure I do this right or I'm going to die. I don't know. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Anxiety is hard. Anxiety is a hell of a drug. I don't want him to be high on anxiety. But it forces some people to focus. All right. Well, if if I am, I need to know if my surgeon is like the kind of person who anxiety helps or the kind of person who anxiety hurts. Mm -hmm. I know we have a lot of doctors that listen to the show, yep. usually while they're performing surgery. Yeah. Uh, so if you could write in and just let us know what you think is better, whether it's being relaxed or being on edge, we'd love to hear from you and also yeah. uh, enjoy the rest of your surgery. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. I hope it's going well. Chuck tries to joke around with Alex, but she's not having it. Then Casey arrives and says that the security system has been updated, so he'll need 40 minutes and some C4. Alex suggests just knocking out a doctor and stealing his keycard. Casey says he likes the cut of her jib. Chuck says they're a match made in a very frightening part of heaven, which is fun because later in her career, Trisha Helfer will play the Queen of Heaven, who is also very frightening. So who's the King of Heaven? God. This has been Go Lucifer Yourself. I love Lucifer. Season five, coming, baby. Casey says they need to find a doctor whose key card they can steal, and despite the fact that there seem to be several other doctors around, he and Alex immediately alight on Devin. Chuck says no way, but no one listens. In fact, Alex says that Chuck, like felons and children, does not get a vote. Back in Castle, Sarah suggests that it might be dangerous to mess with someone so close to Chuck's cover. Casey finally explains that Devin is one of the only doctors with the necessary key card, so now we know why it has to be Devin, apparently. Mm -hmm. Chuck reluctantly admits that he's thought of a way for them to have their spy cake and eat it too. This, as it turns out, is kidnapping Devin for a bachelor party. All coming together. As we established at the top of the episode, this the kidnapping tradition, like, sucks. Like, that's bad. You know what, like... So if somebody's going to think their life is in danger and then they're going to want to party, that's insane. This is not, does this, do, does this it's happen? It's called adrenaline, Aaron. Oh, okay, so right now, tell me, what do you want to happen at your bachelor party? Uh, I want you to kidnap me. <laughs> okay, how, how intense do you want that to be? 
Um, I want a faceless mask, and I want you to have a voice changer that changes your voice to be like, hey. can, I, um, can I tie you up and shave your head? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, sounds good. Uh, get, brand me with something also. Oh my god, okay. Do you have and a then, preference? No, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, could be on my neck, could be on my forearm. Okay. Um, and then uh, give me, you know, hit me a couple of times, and then drop me off into Dave and Buster's. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I'm going to be a bald, branded man at the Dave and Buster's. Also, if you could spread that out over the course of 72 hours, so I'm sleep deprived <laughs> okay. and starving when I arrive at Dave and Buster's, I think that's probably the optimal way to experience. Okay, perfect. A do restaurant I, arcade. Do I get to come to your bachelor party? Uh, I, it, this is for the listener. This is not something that's happening uh, in the immediate future at all. So it's just you, hypothetical. Would it, it would be, it would, would it be called something else maybe? Because like, if you're like, cause we, we talked in previous episodes that you might be part of my bridal party. And I feel like I would, if I had like a bachelorette party beforehand, I would want everyone in my bridal party to come. So I guess I'm assuming that I will be in your groom's party, but maybe I shouldn't make an assumption on that. Well, the so the only idea that I've ever had about this matter is that I have floated the idea and I don't know how feasible it would be. But for a bachelor party, rather than doing something along the lines of what we're about to discuss, I was thinking that it would be fun to have a roast of me where my closest friends and family uh, prepare material to roast me oh, and the other great. folks of the dais. Okay. So if you wanted to sign up for that, you could. Okay. I'm going to start writing something right now so that whenever, um, if, if ever this happens, I'll be prepared. That's the alarming part is whenever I tell someone this idea, they're like, that's awesome. I'm ready to do it. Like, <laughs> what? I've been saving material <laughs> since I met you. So, okay. Yeah. That'd be, if, yeah, you could be a part of it. I, I don't know how long the roast is going to be. But I'm going to talk about how you used to drink milk with your dinner in the dining hall. <laughs> a tall glass of milk. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Chris has really strong bones. I do. Have I ever broken a bone? No, I haven't. <laughs> Why? Because right I have now. plenty of calcium in my body. I'll break um, at your, uh, your uh, 72 hour bachelor party. I'll be sure to break a bone as well. <laughs> you can have that experience. <laughs> Um, anyhow talking about the actual bachelor party that's happening yes uh, the sack is removed from Devin's head when he arrives at the Bymore Uh, it's decorated with banners and signs for the bachelor party all of Devin's friends are there uh, who we don't really know and then also the Bymore people I would be Uh, so pissed if I was Devin and like my weird like brother-in-law invited all his stupid friends (laughs) I'd be really mad but you're not Devin because Devin's a saint yeah. and he's actually very excited yeah, about the chill. surprise, even though it's a in a, an electronic store. Uh, Morgan, Jeff and Lester stand on the fringe of this party and Morgan educates Lester about proper bachelor party etiquette, mainly not taking any photos of what goes down. And uh, Jeff is wearing one of those T-shirts that says game over and shows the picture of like uh, married couples. Yeah. Do you think like those were popular at the time? Yes. OK. Cool. Good to know. Um, to set the scene a little bit more for the listener, uh, there's also a reel of, um, I guess, like footage of bikini models playing on the buy more televisions. In the I background. did. I noticed that. And I just kind of ignored it and was like, that's I didn't not really know what it was. Happening. It's not really like it's not a movie or anything. It's just kind of like commercial footage. I wasn't really clear, but there's also <laughs> lots of snack snacks and uh, plenty of beer. 
Yep. The nerd her desk is basically set up like a bar. Uh, Morgan hands Devin a beer. Devin thanks him for doing this and refers to him as General Beckman. And Morgan's like, uh, that's weird, but okay. Yeah, Morgan just rolls with it. As this is happening, Sarah and Alex are having a party of their own down at Castle. And by that, I mean Alex coldly reports to their mutual boss that Sarah is failing at her job. <laughs> wow, what a party. So fun. Yay. <laughs> they could at least, like, you know, like crack open a bottle of wine or something. <laughs> Alex apparently uh, not that great at throwing fun parties. Beckman asks Alex if this is her final assessment of the matter. And she says that it is, even though it's only been a few hours and Sarah hasn't really been allowed to do anything. She's just been like staying in the van. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's I don't know. So like it feels Alex like hasn't really been watching her. Yeah. It feels like she. Um, yeah. It feels like the whole premise of the 49B doesn't completely make any sense. And also, like, Sarah should have just been allowed to, like, take some time off. Like, hang out at her hotel apartment. Like, sit by the pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, Beckman, without hesitation, effectively fires Sarah from the truck mission and tells her to get back to the CIA headquarters at Langley. Yep. Sarah asks Alex to take care of Chuck, and Alex says, you mean do my job? And it turns out that Alex somehow gives even less of a shit than Sarah. <laughs> Yeah. Which means that she's either going to be much better at this job or much, much worse. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, hard, sa- to, it's hard to know. <laughs> Sarah says that she'll be on her way after she says goodbye to Chuck. But Alex stops her and says that Chuck is her asset now and she will not allow Sarah to see him. So, OK, here's another question about the 49B. So she's Alex is trained not only to assess like the competency, but also to immediately become a handler. So it feels like she would have to go through two separate trainings. And like, who who becomes the 49B? At, like, who else is a 49B? If all the 49Bs, when they say like, oh, this person failed their assessment, then they become the new handler, then it seems like you would just have to keep training people who would be able to assess and then take on that role. Like, that's uh, that seems like... You should just have someone who assesses and then they could send in someone new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, the government's always looking to find ways to uh, cut jobs and save money. At- so I guess maybe they just doubled up. Yep. Uh, at this point, you're probably wondering the same thing that I find myself wondering at bachelor parties. Are we going to eat dinner at this thing or what? <laughs> the answer is yes. Lester and Jeff bring half a dozen $5 footlongs from our good friends at Subway. Oh, that was really exciting. And Devin is stoked. I was stoked, I wish too. more people showed up to parties where there's alcohol, like, with just handfuls of Subway sandwiches. I would crush Subway footlongs with just a few beers in me. That's all I want. Okay, I'll keep that in mind for your roast. <laughs> yeah, just give me a sandwich and make fun of me, and that's fine. <laughs> well, Devin is distracted by the sandwiches, much like... I am. Chuck reassures Casey that Devin will be so drunk in a matter of hours that they will easily be able to take his key card uh, away from him without him even noticing. Casey asks how they're going to distract Devin and Chuck says that he and Jeff hired some exotic female dancers. Okay, everyone. Everyone buckle your seatbelts. We're going to brace for impact. There's no bracing (sighs) for this. So, okay. Just got to power through it. We hear Love Game. By Lady Gaga. Which was exciting, admittedly. It was exciting. Always happy to hear yep. Lady Gaga and Chuck. We see figures strutting down the Bymore's main aisle, which has been filled with fog by a fog machine. And I'm sitting here watching this going, please don't be bad. Please don't be bad. Please don't be bad. Please 
Don't be bad. No one was listening to you. No one was listening to me. My cries went unanswered. All of the men at the party are crestfallen to see, surprise, three normal-sized women emerging from the fog. That's right. They're not size zero television actresses, but they are still somehow, against all odds, the show would have us believe, confident in their own bodies and employed as exotic dancers, which is something that we all know is impossible. The show would have us believe that this is hilarious, if not the single funniest moment we have ever seen in Chuck. The only joke in the scene that is not supposed to derive from the dancers' appearances and their confidence in themselves is that one of them is Jeff's sister, who Jeff says gave him the family discount. So here is a legitimate reason to be creeped out. You shouldn't be creeped out before learning this information. (laughs) Allow me to repeat that. Guys at the bachelor party, you should not be creeped out before learning that there's someone's sister in that group of women. Aaron, would you like to take the floor? You have, I mean, you've said, like, I feel like as you can see from, as you can hear from what I'm saying, I am just so flabbergasted that I cannot even really make a point. Um, You've said everything that I thought in a very good way, so good on you. Um, Yeah, my, like, all of that is my complaint. And then also, like, I don't know... It seems like the show shouldn't have been able to, like, make fun of the way these women look and also completely objectify and sexualize them by, like, showing shots of their cleavage and shots of their legs and everything. Like, you shouldn't be able to be like, oh, these women are so gross. Also, look at these boobs. But, like, it did. It was amazing. Like, it was amazing how bad it was. It was it was disgusting. It was just so. Yeah. If if they started with. okay. Like, if they started with, there was the fog happening, and then Jeff says something like, yeah, I got the family discount from my sister, and then, like, a woman walks out and is, like, being sexy, and then, like, Jeff's, like, dancing along, and everybody's looking at Jeff, and, like, wow, that's really fucked up. Like, that would have been fine. That's funny. That's, like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. But it was so, it was just so, it was gross. It was gross for so many so many reasons on every angle you could possibly consider it on. Oh, the audacity of these women. They're just, they're so, they're so sexually confident. Ugh. Oh my God. It was, it was horrible. I, I was like thinking, I'm like, okay, we're going to a bachelor party in this episode. So no, given the show and the track record we've been experiencing thus far, probably going to be a little problematic but then i was like getting my hopes up that it was going to be fine yeah and then this happened and it was just like i was just plugging down the road and then all of a sudden just a very sharp yeah turn even i thought they were just gonna do like the stupid cliche joke of like he accidentally hired male strippers and everyone's awkward like that's what Mm -hmm. i thought was gonna happen and i was gonna be like okay that kind of sucks but like whatever but this Whole new level. They they blow my mind. Like they're surprise. They at least they're surprising. I don't know. I have nothing to say about like this. It just sucks. This is bad. I think part of why it was so bad too was that how how quick it was. Like there was. It's very unapologetic in its in what it is. Yeah, and also you know, like it's just like it can only be interpreted one way. Yeah, they just move on. Just like, huh, that's a gag. Isn't yeah. that funny? 
and it, the, car- the, the so ladies much. do not come back. And even if, like, there's there's no excuse for this at all, but even if, like, we know Jeff Lester and Morgan suck, like, even if, like, they're disappointed for whatever, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, ever, like, Chuck and Devin, who are, like, the show presents them as, like, the good characters who make good decisions and do good things, like, they're also being, like, obje- like, this is awful. It's, like, there's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I still enjoy a lot of things about this show. I think, like, I'm gonna continue watching for the sake of this podcast. I'm not gonna, like, quit watching, but, like, I feel like this is enough. Like, if, this is enough to be, like, I, like, I, this show is not kind to women. Like, like, I could completely, if, if a, if a friend of mine, like, if a friend of mine was watching this show, I would like feel like I have to offer an explanation on this scene. Like, be like, "Yeah, there's this really bad scene. I have to warn you about." Like, it's bad enough that I feel like if someone said, "I'm not going to watch this anymore," I wouldn't blame them. Yeah, we have. I think you said it before. We have entered a new area of offense. Yes. <laughs> like this is like you said. Like it's. I feel like this is the maybe I don't know the first real strike where it'd be like if we reach three strikes, like do we have to be done? Because yeah. like. If this kind of thing or like escalating versions of this happen yeah. two more times, it's like, <sighs> yeah, okay. So right. really, well, sure really we'll... bad. We're really <laughs> disappointed in the writers and everyone involved in this specific aspect of this episode and other episodes that have similar things. Yes, um, I'm sure we will be talking about this more yes. in a little segment that we call Chuck Mary Kill. <laughs> I'm sure we uh, will. So moving on for a brief, a brief moment from that. Uh, as this this nightmare is going on, Ellie is at home and she's reading a magazine in bed and she receives a phone call from Devin. Devin explains that he was kidnapped and brought to a surprise bachelor party at the Bymore. He assures her that he will not do anything bad because he loves her and quote, how could I be tempted by a hamburger when I have a steak at home? I think that's I like the sentiment of that line, but like you definitely could be like it's they're completely different foods. You could definitely be driving by a McDonald's and be like, hmm. I'm really in the mood for a hamburger, like, and maybe you don't As, want to cook the especially steak if right alcohol now. Is like sometimes you don't feel like cooking. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I got a, I got a few beers in me. I could go for a, a Burger King yeah. hamburger. Um, yeah, it's a sweet moment, uh, I guess. Kind of, even if we learn that Devin is a cannibal who's planning on eating Ellie <sighs> after their marriage. Yep. While Devin's on the phone, Casey pretends to be drunk and bump into him so he can pickpocket Devin's wallet. To Casey's dismay. Devin doesn't keep his key card in the wallet. Casey calls Alex to tell her that he can't find the key card. So Alex decides that she needs to intervene and takes out a pair of handcuffs. As she's exiting castle, she sees Sarah rummaging around and asks Sarah why she's still there. Sarah says that she's just quote, tying up some loose ends and Alex is annoyed, but she leaves castle regardless. Sarah makes her way over to a computer and initiates a retinal scan using the computer. Sarah uses her government clearance to search the government's files for Chuck and Ellie's dad. Stephen Bartowski, uh, and she initiates the search and then leaves, hoping that Chuck will find it later, I guess. Um, this misappropriation of government intel is very presidential of Sarah, yep. shall we say? Yes. <laughs> yep, sounds right. Returning to the Bymore, Alex was apparently borrowing the handcuffs from Castle to complete her sexy police officer Halloween costume, which she uses to hypnotize all of the men at the bachelor party. Basically, everyone freaks out when... Uh, They think she's a police officer, but they freak out even more when they realize that she's an exotic dancer. 
All of the guys, including Casey, seem to be taken by Alex's figure, and Alex confidently steps up the, uh, to the stripper pole stage, which, as it so happens, was not the only thing that was erected this evening. Not, not even going to acknowledge that. Anyhow, we should all be relieved because an actual sexy woman who's arrived at the bachelor party. What a relief. Oh my God. This bachelor party was a nightmare beforehand, but now there's a sexy TV star model on the stripper pole and we can all relax. As expected, Alex does a very sexy dance and entrances all of the men with her moves. Jeff and Lester are infatuated and attempt to give her all of the little money that they have. Chuck is mortified and also confused by this. Morgan brings Devin over to Alex and says, this is your guy. And Alex says, I'm going to have to strip search you. And everyone cheers. Did you do you like when uh, she says, like, I heard someone's been really bad. And Lester says, I'm a bad person because I liked <laughs> that. That was it was true. <laughs> yes. A nice like moment that. of uh, self-awareness on his part and acknowledgement. I also liked I mean, like. I'm just I'm just grasping at straws here, but like I did like that Jeff just like dumps his change. Like that's that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. There's like there's minor minorly gross things that you could do with strippers at a bachelor party. Like if you're gonna do the plot, which it seems like they were pretty dead set on, there's these things are okay. These things are like a little funny. I don't know. I don't know why they did this. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Go on, please. Get us out of here. Alex handcuffs Devin and brings him into the home theater room where she proceeds to sit on his lap and rip open his shirt. He tells her that she doesn't really need to do this, but she insists because the sex gods are forcing her to. <laughs> Yet another show sacrifice to the sex gods. Yet another. Uh, Alex asks uh, Devin to take off his keycard necklace, but he says he can't because he'll get fired. Alex proceeds to kiss Devin's neck and Devin stops her and gets very serious. And says that he loves his fiance and would never do anything to jeopardize that. Nice. Alex, fed up, shoots Devin in the chest with a tranquilizer. Chuck and Casey run into the home theater room as this is going on. As Devin is fainting, he sees Chuck's silhouette and hears Chuck's voice talking about the CIA and is very confused. Casey congratulates Alex on a job well done and says that now he can proceed to plant the uh, GPS tracker microchip into a mod's pacemaker before his surgery tomorrow. Do you think, like... They explain this a lot. Like, there's at least three times in the episode where they explain what they're doing with the pacemaker and how they need Devin's keycard. Like, they say the same exact dialogue three times. Like, we need to get the keycard so that we can implant the bug in the pacemaker before the surgery. I mean, I guess guess we'll get to the plot hole, but maybe that's part of it. Like, maybe they're trying to just, like, be like, this is what we're doing. I don't know. I'm pretty dim-witted, so I appreciated constant reminders to what's going on in the plot. (laughs) All right, that's fair. Chuck says that he feels like he doesn't have any rights in this, you know, their new trio. And Alex crosses the line by shooting Devin. He continues to say that Sarah would never have done that. And from now on, he's only going to work with Sarah. At this point, Alex informs him that Sarah has been taken off the mission and that she's his handler now. (gasps) Chuck is astounded. He can't believe it. The next day, Sarah is at her apartment slash hotel room with her bags packed. She's taking a moment to let it all sink in that she's leaving such a beautiful apartment slash hotel. So beautiful. When Chuck calls her, but she declines it and walks out the door. Meanwhile, back at Castle, Beckman is congratulating Casey for successfully using Devin's keycard to sneak into the hospital and plant the bug in Ahmad's pacemaker. She even decides to have a dramatic moment where she tells them to turn the volume on the computer up so they can hear the sound of Ahmad's heartbeat. Wow, that's... Which is kind of creepy. Kind of creepy. Kind of nice, though. It's nice to hear another human heartbeat. 
I know like evolution wise, it's supposed to be true, but I just felt like it was creepy. It's like, listen to this man's heart. And they just sit there in silence. <laughs> bum, bum. Job well done. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. It's just creepy. Like when Beckman's gonna be like, Ooh, listen to the, my baby's heartbeat. Uh, like myself, Chuck is distracted during all of this. and keeps trying to butt in to talk about Sarah being fired, but Beckman won't have it. Eventually Chuck just interrupts her outright and asks why he was never told about the possibility of this even happening. Beckman says that Chuck was told all of the information that was pertinent for him to know because, quote, that's how the National Security Agency works, end quote. Casey tries to snap Chuck out of it by telling him that it's just a job. But Chuck says that, no, it's not just a job. It's a job for Casey. But for this, for him, this is his life. Meanwhile, Sarah is already uh, headed out of Los Angeles, driving up one of Los Angeles's few highways. Yep, so She's driving. She's driving a cool black convertible that has a spy computer built into it, which is apparently linked to the computer in Castle. Apparently. Basically, Sarah is still monitoring the search for Chuck's dad and the files finish loading while she's driving. She's Sarah, apparently sur- don't run coverts, government search operations and drive. Hashtag it can wait. <laughs> don't don't use computers while you drive. Don't use laptop sized computers. She's apparently surprised by the results and looks for an exit to reverse directions. I'm sure this will be very quick because there are not many cars in Los Angeles. <laughs> there weren't we really <laughs> any cars on the highway with her. Like, there wasn't, like, a lot of traffic as she was leaving. Yeah, it looked I pretty also, nice. I was very unclear, like, maybe this is just me being dumb, but I feel like there should have been an exit sign that said, like, back to Los Angeles or something. Because when she pulled off the highway, I was like... Oh, she's going to get Chuck's dad. Like that's where she was going, and she's like mm. driving wherever he is. Like it wasn't clear that she was turning around. She should, mm. she should just like pulled a U-turn over the median and just whipped back. That would have been so clear. You're against her looking at a uh, computer screen while she's driving safely, but you condone her pulling a illegal U-turn over the median. I on think a highway? Uh, they are both the same levels of dangerousness. Uh, we then transition, there's like cool music going on while this is happening. Mm-hmm. We transition it to a sequence where Casey and Alex very sensually ready their firearms. This I liked actually. Like it's a pornographic film produced by the NRA. <laughs> They're just like, Ooh, look at my gun. Like, Oh no, look at my gun. Look at me. Look at how I clean my gun. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Okay. So when I said I liked it, I didn't like the guns, <laughs> but like, I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know. I like their kind of like little flirtation attraction situation. Like I thought that was mm-hmm. an interesting element that they could have spent more time on and removed the stripper plotline. That's true. Back at the hospital, Ahmad's uh, private physician, Dr. Samir, is paranoid and runs some kind of metal detector over Ahmad's body. I guess this is post-surgery and finds that someone planted some foreign object inside Ahmad's chest. He looks at the surgery report and sees that Devin was the doctor who performed the surgery uh, and then the Samir says that today will be the day that Devin dies. Uh, I am confused because Devin was not there at the hospital. Yeah. Um, that's like, well, hold on. Well, moving forward back at the apartment, Devin is waking up from being tranquilized the night before and is super hungover, hungover. He says he doesn't remember anything. And Chuck uh, ensures him that it was just clean fun that they had at this point. Devin reaches for his key card and is alarmed when he realizes that he can't find it. Devin asks Ellie uh, if she's seen it and she hasn't. But this causes Ellie to think that Devin lost his card because he took his shirt off at his bachelor party. Ellie then freaks out, thinking that Devin was unfaithful during the bachelor party, saying something to the effect of, if your shirt came off, maybe your pants came off as well. This is okay. 
we've seen Devin take off his shirt at random times. Like, we have. So I feel like she shouldn't jump to that conclusion. I mean, I know it's like kind of a tricky situation and like women are tradi- like this is kind of a traditional women not trusting men at bachelor parties. Like she's conditioned to feel that way, whatever. But I don't know. I um, I feel like he could have just he could have also just lost it. Like, he, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's very important, but it doesn't have to mean that he was unfaithful to her. Mm hmm. I was sad because, I mean, obviously Ellie doesn't see it, but we as the audience see how serious Devin gets yeah. when talking to Alex. And he's like, no, I'm yeah. not doing anything. He didn't do anything. Yeah. But Ellie is just already decided that he's guilty. I was also wondering, why doesn't Casey just return the card to Devin after he was done using it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, in Castle, Alex and Casey are shooting the shit figuratively and potentially, <laughs> literally, since they're <laughs> they working with their guns. Alex says Casey must be relieved that Sarah's gone because now she won't continue to botch their missions with her feelings for Chuck. Casey tries to respond to this, but stops when he realizes that the heartbeat monitor from Ahmad's pacemaker has stopped beating. So, of course, he's dead. That's the only explanation. Chuck is getting ready for work and tries to call Casey to let him know that Devin needs his keycard back when he hears Ahmad's men out in the courtyard looking for a certain apartment. Spoiler alert, it's Chuck's. (gasps) Chuck runs into the living room and looks out the people of the front door. And I'm guessing that the door has a deadbolt because the chain lock for the door was right next to Chuck's face and he did not lock it at all. Nope. He just ran away from it. Yep. Chuck sees Devin's lab coat hanging on the coat rack and decides in the moment to put on the coat and once again take on the role of a hapless doctor. Wearing the coat, Chuck opens the door and Ahmad's men duct tape his mouth and throw his GPS watch into the fountain before putting a sack on his head and taking him away. At the Bymore, Morgan is standing at the nerd her desk when Ellie approaches him and asks what happened at the bachelor party. Morgan, although he says he will do anything for Ellie, says that he cannot tell because of the bro code. Ellie is upset and makes to leave the buy more when she sees Jeff and Lester looking at photos of an unconscious Devin and a very awake and very conscious Alex from the home theater room the night before. Lester and Jeff are stunned to be caught in the act and Lester shuts the laptop that they were using in a way that I'm sure we can all imagine. (laughs) Ellie, disgusted, storms out of the buy more. As this is happening, Sarah arrives at Chuck's apartment complex and sees that somebody tampered with Devin and Ellie's mailbox. Apparently, since being reassigned off of the Chuck mission, Sarah has received a new role investigating crimes involving the United States Postal Service. This what happened? I don't remember this. Uh, It's fine. Don't worry about it. Sarah (laughs) seeks out Devin and Ellie to tell them that they were victims of a federal mail tampering crime. (laughs) It sneaks into their apartment using the Morgan door, which Chuck left open. Sarah places an envelope down on Chuck's pillow, presumably because she knew that the letter would not be safe if she left it in Ellie and Devin's crime-prone mailbox. <laughs> Sarah's sadness turns into concern when she sees that Chuck left the cell phone on his bed, even though he's nowhere to be found. She makes a mad dash back to the Orange Orange, which actually has customers sitting outside, despite nobody manning the counter, and tries to open the door to Castle, but her access has been removed. Sarah tries uh, to tell Casey that she needs to get into Castle, but Alex says that Sarah's not allowed in. Casey then tells Alex that what he was initially going to tell her before, but he got interrupted by the heart meet, the heartbeat monitor turning off, was that he feels that Sarah is a true professional and the best damn partner he's ever worked with. Oh, nice. Sarah says that Chuck wouldn't go anywhere without his phone. Casey agrees and lets her into Castle. Yeah, I really like this scene because, like, Casey obviously shows loyalty to Sarah, but, like, he obviously also has, like, at at the least, like, a respect and at the most, like, a attraction to Alex, and they share a lot of similarities in how they conduct business and which uh, 
like what their methods are and that they obviously both like guns, but like Sarah is Casey's friend and he sticks up for her. So I really liked mm-hmm. that. Sarah enters and reiterates that she found Chuck's phone when she went to say goodbye to him. Alex reminds her that this is the exact reason she was fired, and Sarah replies, then there's nothing stopping me from kicking your ass. Ayo. She really don't give a shit. Alex insists that Chuck is in the courtyard and fine, but Sarah checks the surveillance of Chuck's apartment and discovers it is actually his watch that's in the courtyard, not him. She deduces that the only way that the pacemaker's signal would be offline would be behind six feet of solid steel. The internet has some things to say about this, but in the context of the episode, she's right. She finds out that the last place where the signal was live was in a bank, so the bad guys must be in the vault. Casey is like, good work. In the bank vault, Zamir is demanding that Chuck perform an operation on Ahmad to remove the bug. He says, if you don't save him, nothing can save you. But the thing here is just like, what are they going to do to Chuck after? Like, they're obviously going to kill him anyway, so if he refuses and they kill him now, like... What's the big deal? You know? Mm-hmm. Right? As Chuck is about to cut into Ahmad, which is actually really scary. Like, I I feel like this is, like, one of the classic dreams that you have where it's like, you have to perform a surgery today, but you don't know how. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I got the knife. Yeah. And you're like, uh... And it was, like, a really little li- knife, too. Like, I'm sure that's... I'm sure they actually use things like that, but it was like, I wouldn't know how to cut someone with that. No, well, they're really sharp and you got to press down. Oh, my God. Don't even it. talk to me. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Um, I, I, like Chuck, am very squeamish about the situation. <laughs> As Chuck is about to cut into Ahmad, Alex, Sarah, and Casey rush down the stairs, guns blazing, and shout, Chuck. Zamir and his guards shut the vault door, but Zamir turns to Chuck to ask who Chuck is. Chuck insists he's Dr. Woodcomb until Zamir, like, hits him in a way that makes his lab coat rip. I don't really know exactly how that worked, but... Uh, well, he, he slashed him with the surgical knife. Okay, and his lab coat falls down the... in just the right way that it reveals his Bymore ID. Yes. Zamir says Chuck is a dead man. Outside the vault, Sarah rather smugly reminds Alex that it's her job to protect Chuck. Alex says she has explosives in the van, but Casey chimes in that he saw nitrous canisters in the vault, so explosive, explosives will uh, explode those. Sarah mm-hmm. admonishes Alex for putting Chuck in even more danger. In the vault, Chuck sprays Zamir with the nitrous. Zamir tackles Chuck, struggling to get to him with a knife. Then they both begin laughing hysterically because they're high. Whoa, what? Zamir says he forgot why he was mad at Chuck, and they both have a glorious time together, laughing about how ladybugs can't all be ladies. I appreciated this. This was I felt like this came out of left field yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, this is I assume that they were just going to have like a really long, intense, normal fight. Yeah. But I appreciated that it kind of took a silly turn. Yeah, um, it was it was sweet. I liked it. And it's it still equally dangerous. Yeah. The stakes are still there. Yes. Back outside the safe, Sarah tries to crack the combination while Alex calls Zamir from one of the unconscious guards walkie talkies. She has to talk to Chuck, which Zamir is high, so he allows Chuck says he won't come out until the government reinstates Sarah. Zamir is proud of Chuck for standing his ground, so Chuck takes the opportunity to ask Zamir where uh, the Bin Laden guy is hiding. Not Bin Laden. Not Bin Laden. And Zamir tells him. Everyone outside the safe is impressed and a little bit confused. Casey radios in to tell Chuck not to inhale too much nitrous or it will kill him, but Chuck and (laughs) Zamir are too high to do anything about this. Alex says she's going to go get the explosives anyway, which is stupid because we already established she can't do that. But Sarah manages to crack the safe. She opens the door and Chuck is very excited to see her. 
Back in Castle, Beckman debriefs the team. Thanks to Chuck's information, they were able to catch and apprehend all the bad guys. Beckman admonishes Sarah for not following orders, but Chuck steps in to defend her. Sarah tries to stop him, but Casey tells her and Beckman to just let Chuck finish. Chuck says that his closeness with Sarah is what saved his life. Beckman agrees that maybe Chuck's relationship with Sarah is an asset to the asset. She reinstates Sarah, dismisses Alex, and signs off. Disaster strikes, though, when Chuck returns home with Devin's badge and tries to hide it in Devin's bag. Ellie walks in and assumes Chuck is trying to cover for Devin. He says it's not what she thinks, but she won't be convinced. She says, I know you're just trying to protect him, but I'm your sister. You're supposed to protect me. Something that bothered me both times watching this episode, other than the fact that this is just, like, generally very upsetting that Chuck, like, can't explain what happened with Devin, is, like, the pictures that Ellie saw, when did they take those? Because... None of those things were happening, like, in the scene that we saw. So presumably, like, after she took Devin's badge, Alex, like, got back on top of Devin and, like, posed for these pictures. Yeah, that Jeff and Lester took yeah. with their camera. Yeah, because they weren't in the room. We didn't see them in the room. And, like, Did Chuck of- let that happen? I don't know. He must have, because he ran in when De- Devin passed out. Yeah. So I I don't hmm. know when those pictures were taken. Because if it was, like, pictures of the scene that we saw, I would understand. But, like... I don't I don't recognize any of those scenes. So Yeah, good yeah. point. Chuck runs straight to Sarah's beautiful apartment slash hotel. Thank God she gets to keep that, even though she checked out earlier in the day. I guess they just hadn't filled her room yet. I had to pause this scene because Sarah looks so beautiful. Did you like were you were you just blown away by how beautiful she looks? I didn't I didn't notice anything different. Like it like takes a little bit of time, like the camera to get onto her face, and then it showed her, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like she looks so good. She has like her her eyes are just like bright green and sparkling. Like she just looks beautiful. I don't know. Anyway, Chuck tells Sarah he's freaking out, but he doesn't want to get her in more trouble. She says that the apartment slash hotel is her private residence, so there's no surveillance. Maybe she could have told him that earlier. They could just have all their conversations there. (laughs) He says he feels like he's juggling all the lies and that has sent his life spinning out of control. He says he wants to be able to tell Ellie the truth about who he is and what he does. He says he can't believe how much the United States government has hurt the people he loves. And Sarah says, maybe it's time for the United States government to help you. I wish the United States government would help me. Hey, yo. She gives him the envelope about his dad. Back at home, Devin walks into Chuck's room and thanks him for finding his badge. He says, Special Agent Carmichael, and Beckman appears on screen again. They didn't learn the first time that that was a thing they should fix. Beckman hastily signs off before Devin can see her, but he does notice the name Beckman once again. Despite the fact that they've driven all the way to some tiny plot of land in the middle of nowhere, in the next scene, Chuck immediately starts hedging once they arrive, saying that his dad doesn't want to be found, etc., etc. Sarah stops him and says it'll be good to see him. Chuck agrees to go and knock. He knocks, and at first nothing happens. He and Sarah look at each other, and it seems like they're about to kiss. Did you think they were about to kiss? I did. Okay, so it seems like they're about to kiss. rubbing my hands together. I was like, yes. (laughs) I know, I was like, kiss, kiss, kiss. Let it happen. Let it happen. But then the door opens, and uh, we don't see who opened it, but Chuck says, Dad, that's the end of the episode. Cliffhanger. Baby. Is the name of Chuck's dad. <laughs> that would be, that has to be someone's name in something, like some parody thing. Somebody's like, yeah. my name's Cliffhanger. Yeah, probably. Uh, season two, episode 18, Chuck versus the Broken Heart. Um, yes, I wanted to point out some signs for It's a Sign this week. <laughs> Please but do. It's a, a special kind. It's it's a signed bachelor party edition. Hey-o! 
I want to take Let's a ride uh, on your display stick. Let's have some fun. I, I messed that up. I started at the wrong point, but, you know, that's a bachelor party game. song. Play a love game. Play a love yeah, play a love game. Love. No, you want fame. It's in the game. It's a love game. Uh, it's a sign. Uh, let's see. Some of the signs we saw. One said, these are all painted by, I guess, the group of young men at this bachelor party and displayed on the walls. I like to think that Jeff and Lester just like had them in the, on the off chance that they would be invited. Okay. Uh, one of them says, bring on the old ball and chain. And another one says, so long, sucker. Oh, I saw that one. And then there's another one that says, let's hear it for the, and then it's groom, but the GR in groom is crossed out and replaced with a D. And then uh, ED is added to the end of groom. So it says, let's hear it for the doomed. Congratulations, Devin. All right. Remember, marriage is the end. Marriage is the end. It's not the beginning. It's the end. Yeah. Uh, also, the uh, a brief journey into the home theater room to discuss our own experience with a theme of this episode. Uh, hangovers. Let's do it. Any notable hangovers that you would like to share? I have a hangover right now. Do you really? No, that's not true. Um, uh, I don't you, think, didn't, you don't seem like it. I don't think I've ever had a hangover. Have, have I no? ever told you that I've had a hangover? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think it's happened yet. Um, really? I've, I have thrown up before i threw up one time and that was like that was the night of um because that was i Mm -hmm. had nine whiskey sours at my friend's wedding sure is a story that i've told you um and i i did throw up she the wedding was held um at a at a night a very beautiful small farm in the middle of nowhere um on a very very windy road so i uh got driven home very windy road got home fell asleep for half an hour, woke up, things, things not going well. Um, Mm -hmm. the next day, I don't really think I was, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a hungover. I think like my, like, I just had to have some like ginger ale and stuff. My stomach was a little wonky. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to take a bus back to New York at the time, but, uh, I didn't do that because I was afraid of throwing up on the bus. So, so that, that's a hangover. All right. Sure. Okay. So that's, that's the only hangover I can really think of. I definitely noticed like when I was 21 or like newly 21 and in college and everything, like I would wake up the day after drinking and I would be like, yeah, fun. Like I'm ready to go out and like do homework and live my life and everything. Um, but I've definitely noticed like moving upwards into the twenties, like I, I'm tired the next day. So I feel like maybe maybe as I get older, I will begin to have uh, more traditional hangovers. What about you? Yeah, I uh, one hangover that comes to mind was uh, I uh, got invited to this bachelor party um, that was being held for my friend. And it was a pretty small group. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just me and another one of our mutual friends and then the uh like the brother-in-law of the groom okay. and we actually all went to vegas wait what you went we, to vegas yeah and we had this crazy time and we, we all like got so wasted you know it was just crazy and then we woke up the next morning and we we're like oh my god i can't believe that happened and then um like the groom was just totally gone oh my god and there was a tiger in the hotel suite there was a tiger yeah and i had a tattoo on my face oh my god this is crazy how did you get rid of it 
uh, we had to return it to its owner, which incidentally we found out was Mike Tyson. Believe it or not, I meant the I meant the tattoo. How did you get rid of the tattoo? Well, I still have the tattoo. Oh, okay, I yeah. Just oh, wear it up, up. Shit. Like I, I didn't even. I thought that I didn't want to. I thought that was a mole. I didn't want to bring it up. Well, I usually wear this Phantom of the Opera mask. Oh yeah. Okay. It, All right. I understand. That sounds pretty crazy. Sounds pretty cinematic, right? Yeah. Did you like? Did it ever have? Did you ever see those guys again? I did, and you wouldn't believe, like, the next time we ended up in Thailand. Oh, my God. And it was just, like, the craziest thing. Like, we just have such a crazy time. All right, you're going to you're gonna have to tell this story in an, another episode. I know. I'll have to revisit it at some point. <laughs> Even when people stop caring, I'll revisit it. <laughs> Anything else you want to note about this episode before we move into final, uh, final judgments? Well, I'd love to tell you my, my Mary and my kill. You would. Um, well, I will move. I just had a little quick tidbit that I wanted to share that I thought was interesting. Oh, okay. Alex, as you said, is played by Trisha Helfer, who I found has some overlap with Yvonne. Oh, specifically in that they both voice characters in Mass Effect 2 and 3. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Didn't Adam Baldwin was also in that? Didn't you say that before? Potentially, okay. maybe in a small role. I don't remember okay. that, but um. Yvonne's a major role in Mass Effect 2. Okay. She can be she can be inside uh, Mass Effect 3, assuming you don't kill her in Mass Effect 2. Uh, Trisha Helfer, it turns out, is a very large role in both of them. So I thought that was interesting. That is really I'm interesting. Mass Effect, so. uh, also interesting to note, Trisha Helfer has appeared in, let's say it together, Suits. Oh, I didn't know what you were going to say. I, you should always be thinking about Suits. You should always be thinking about Suits. So she she actually appeared in Suits. Yes, she's actually in Suits. Unlike Matt Bomber. She's a really no, good I mean, actress. I really like her. Matt, Matt Bomber doesn't appear in Suits. He stars in oh, Suits. Oh, right. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there have been some... And there's there's about to be, but there have been some, and there are about to be some really good guest stars this season. Mm-hmm. So, exciting. But uh, Alex was kind of like a hard-ass character, but uh, well-acted. So... I liked I liked uh, liked seeing her. You know what I like seeing? I like seeing a great turnout for Chuck Mary Kill, <laughs> specifically a turnout of two people. You and me. Oh, OK. What would you like to marry this week? I really liked and I don't know if you're also going to have this Mary, but I just liked the scene with um, them inhaling the nitrous. I mm-hmm. thought um, the conversation about ladybugs was cute. I thought just like kind of all of it, like it's nice to. I don't know, like seeing two people high is a, a part of comedy. Um, it's it's funny, especially when you are not high while watching or maybe if you are, it's also funny. Um, I just liked seeing it not turn into like, as you were saying, like a traditional fight where Chuck is just kind of like throwing medical equipment at this guy. Like, I thought it was funny to see this like antagonistic character suddenly become like kind of like bros with Chuck and they're like bonding and like. It was it was funny. I I enjoyed that, and I would um I would be happy to spend the rest of my life with it. Wow, I uh, wanted to marry this week Chuck's bravery, specifically in that scene where he puts on the coat and runs out of his apartment, knowing that he's going to get kidnapped. That's re- that's actually that was, really nice. Yeah, it was a nice turn for Chuck. Yeah. Uh, rather than running away or hiding, I feel like he probably would have done that before. Yeah. But he just puts on the coat and he just went for it. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's that's spy material right there. Okay, I think I I will agree with you there. So we're on the same page about what we'd like to kill, yes. I'm assuming. I you, cannot believe that this scene made me dislike this use of a Lady Gaga song. Like, I 
I wanted I wanted the use of love game to be my Mary, but I was like, it, the use of it is so bad. I can't condone any of that. So for that reason and many more, I would uh, kill the like even that whole plotline, like any everything, um, anything to do with strippers at the bachelor party, just out of there. I will co-sign that. Um, moving on to the scooter scale, yep. scale of zero to five corn dogs. What, how many corn dogs did you want to give? Uh, I wanted you to go first. Of course you do. Do you have an um, answer? No, I do. Okay. I think uh, I'm kind of on the fence, but I'm going to go with my gut okay. for this one. Please do. And I'm going to say 3.75. Okay. I enjoyed this episode. For the most part, it felt pretty fresh to me. I enjoyed the buy more being used for a party. Okay. You know, content of the party aside. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that the, the prominent role that Devin and Ellie had in this one kind of felt like they had a little bit more to do than usual. I enjoyed Sarah's arc and how she goes away, but then comes back partially because Casey goes to bat for her mm-hmm. and is loyal to her, but also because she's bad enough, badass enough to save Chuck. Um, also like the, the nitrous scene when they're laughing and you got to love a cliffhanger. Yep. So I obviously, like we said, the exotic dancer thing is problematic, yep. but um, I feel like there is also a lot of things that I, I do like in this episode, but I do have to take a corn dog away for no use of Where Do Broken Hearts Go by Whitney Houston. <laughs> Where do broken hearts go? That's beautiful. That's really nice. Can you sing Achey Breaky Heart next? Because that was what I wish was in here. My achey breaky heart. My achey breaky heart. I don't know what the other lyrics to the song. Sounds right. Um. Yeah, I... So I'm going to go with a... I guess I'm going to go with a three. Between a 2.75 and a 3, um, I am. I think that the entire episode was soured for me by like that that scene being a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say I'm very upset by like the Devin and Ellie like trust plotline thing. Like I think that's genuinely upsetting. I think it is a merit of the show that I am this upset by the fact that like Chuck can't explain, like they're really caught between a rock and a hard place because Chuck can't explain what actually happened without blowing his cover and he can't blow his cover. Um, But I think that this episode really works in a lot of the things that it's setting up. I think that like Devin having some, even if he doesn't realize it, knowledge of like Beckman and Chuck's spy life accidentally is interesting. The repercussions on Chuck's family are really clear here. Like a lot of times when a lot of times it's like Chuck misses a party and someone's mad at him or like Chuck and Morgan have a little bit of a riff, but like this is a genuinely distressing situation that he can't explain away and is probably going to have repercussions until he is able to explain to Chuck and Ellie, which like for all he knows may never happen. Um, I think that the plotline with Sarah, I think Sarah was, as we were saying, a little underutilized in, like, what she was allowed to do spy-wise, um, which I feel like the 49B could have um, could have been something slightly different that allowed her to do more. But I think the things that she did do and her arc were really exciting and impressive to watch. Um, and again, I think, like, what it's setting up, like, with Chuck's dad is gonna, like, carry us through the rest of the season, so I'm excited to um, see where that goes. But the episode was not without problems, so. 
It was not. We uh, we have sufficiently broken open Chuck versus the broken heart. It is cracked open. Oh, oh, oh my God. Okay. Because his heart is broken. Okay, I get it now. I was just thinking it was like Sarah's heart is broken because she has to move on. I completely missed the part. Until you said that, I was like, oh, it's because the guy had a heart attack. You missed that? This, we just completed the episode and this entire time you didn't pick up on that? That's the... That's my argument. I didn't allude to it because I thought it was so basic and obvious. Why would it, like why would we talk about that? If I ever did that, I think I'd have a heart attack. Now we live on well, over here. I am I am content. I am pleased with with our uh, takedown and deconstruction of this particular episode. Okay. And I uh, I look forward to doing this again next week with the next episode. I'm really excited to meet Chuck's dad and uh, get some get some fatherly advice from him. Until then, I've been Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy and don't scare your friends. Uh, I have been Aaron Arata, your 49B, reminding you that anything is possible. Um, I don't have anything to add on the end of that, except, you know, let's play a love game, play a love game, play what love, hey, play what game, play in love don't, game. Don't trust the B in 49B. No, don't trust the 49B <laughs> in... What is it? No. Apartment. Don't trust the 49B. Don't trust the B in apartment. I don't know. Don't trust the B. Don't trust the 49B in the apartment hotel. <laughs> Perfect. That's our spinoff. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.